Victor Pacheco. Hello and welcome to Poppycock Podcast with your host, Victor Pacheco. We got a very special episode today with a very special guest, my friend, Mr. Franco Harris. Hey, what's going on, you guys? How's it going? <laughs> what's up? Yeah, man. Um, nothing much, man. How are you doing today? Good. I'm just sick of people um, putting spinach and cheese in empanadas. Who it's really the upsetting f- me. Fuck is putting spinach and cheese in empanadas? Listen, the last the last <laughs> two days, the last two days, I saw an empanada and I was like, I'm gonna eat that. And then I bit into it and it had spinach and cheese in it. Now, this is white white people are are are, are doing this, and I, you gotta stop. Stop. I've never been to a, a Hispanic restaurant or a Latin restaurant. Yeah. And when I order an empanada, they go, do you want spinach or cheese? They go, meat or chicken. That's it. There's no other option. I don't, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand why people are doing this to me, but it's really upsetting and it has to stop. Like, let's just not, it's not for you. Vegetarian. <laughs> it's not for you. Okay. It's not for you. It's not. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fucking sick of it, dude. I'm fucking sick of it. I'm over dude, this shit, but I'm doing good. Anyway, aside from them putting spinach and cheese in the <laughs> Oh my God, man. That talk about culture appropriation, man. That's the worst uh, case I've heard. It's like, wait, that's that's not even Americanizing a meal. That's like fucking up a meal and making something entirely something different that you're trying to pass off as Latino cuisine. And there's not even a single fucking Mexican in the restaurant to speak of. And you're just like, Get the fuck out of there. You don't see one Latino it's, eating a Latino restaurant. It's a bad sign. It's it's not. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's horrible. It's ridiculous. It's like my friend used to say. He used to say, if I walk in to a Mexican place and there's not a child at the cash register and the mom cooking, I walk out. It's not going to be good. <laughs> it's not going to be good. I want to oh see a kid in the corner doing his homework, the daughter behind the register, and the mom just sitting back there waiting for a fucking order, okay? <laughs> That's how I know that shit's going to be good. I want to see child labor laws being broken, okay, in this establishment, okay, before I step in there and eat, all right? Yeah, yeah, it's got to be delicious. That's the only way. Dude. That's the only way it's going to be delicious. Dude, that's so spot on. That's so spot on because then you go to these like really, really like authentic Mexican restaurants. And then you have like uh, your waiter who's a nine-year-old Mexican boy. And you're just like, holy shit, this food's about to be bomb.com. It's going to be yeah, the food's gonna be amazing. The yeah, It's going to be great. Yeah, if there's a little kid there, <laughs> there's a little kid there at the register running around, shit's going to be fire. Okay? It's yeah. going to be fire. And then, and then it's going to be extra fire if those kids are being yelled at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. those kids are getting so yelled good. at. It's like, yeah, they're in a pissed off mood. They're adding emotion to it. I don't know. It's like I always say, you know, with the restaurant, I mean, you know, like with the Mexican restaurants, if all that stuff isn't happening, walk the fuck out. But like with me, I'm a fat guy, so I love donut. I love donut shops. So like with me, like here's the best way to fucking find out if you're at a fucking good donut shop. There, there's three conditions. Number one, it's got to be open 24 hours. Number two, it's got to be Chinese owned and operated. And rule number three, that Chinese motherfucker's got to be the rudest fucking person you ever met in your fucking life because those donuts are so fucking good they don't even need to have good customer service so that's yeah. <laughs> how you figure out what the best donut shop plays i figured it out like i was just like hey if it's open 24 hours 
and there's a Chinese dude running it, and a, and there's a kid in the back. It's three o'clock in the morning. That kid's just like reading a book, but he's like asleep. But he just fell asleep. Like like what the fuck? This is this is You're this like, is this, this is, this is the, gonna be good. This is the best cronut yeah. I've ever had in my life. And yeah. it's a, have you had a cronut? Have you had a cronut? Cronuts are oh my god, they're like disgustingly addictive. They're like it's a churro donut. Oh, the best. Yeah, the best. <laughs> And then I've heard, I've seen of these, these, I, I was about to say, I've seen of these fuckers. I've seen of these fuckers. I've seen of these, no, 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 say it the way it's supposed to be said. I've seen of these fuckers. I've seen of these fuckers put the, the, the vanilla ice cream into these and make it to an abomination. It is the best, uh, best of croissants, donut you have. And then they fuck it all up with the ice cream. I don't even know what accent yeah, that was. That was just me being you know, pissed off. Yeah, you just mixed. There was like, there was like, uh, there was a, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, fake Italian. Not the gypsy. Armenian there. There was like <laughs> Armenian in there. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to say no, gypsy. No. Armenian. Oh, no, no. Armenian. Just alienated my gypsy. whole gypsy population here yeah, of audience. Look. And you know what? They're not coming to my shows anymore. Thanks a lot. Uh, speaking <laughs> of coming to shows, uh, I've met <laughs> I've met this incredible man under incredible circumstances because oh that's so sweet of you because I, 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 <laughs> get the fuck out this is how you know okay this is how you know franco is a very humble man because the first time i met him um i wasn't supposed to meet him because you know it was one of those like i'm i'm like hey i'm not booked tonight i like you know it's like really like i don't know what the fuck's going on with my comedy career and then i, I get a i get a call from the san jose improv they're like hey do you want to host this show tonight didn't even look to see what it was i'm like fuck yeah i do Absolutely. They're like, they're looking for a host, you know, it's just this trio and, you know, they got this like a uh, stoner drunk show. And I'm like, and you called me to host it. Fuck. Yeah. I'm down. Fuck like, yeah. I'm down. <laughs> this is my people. And I didn't even, even met you all. I just like, I was just took a screen grab. And I'm like, I'm going to be at the improv tonight. And then when I got there, because here's the thing with standup, when you meet other standups, they're either the nicest people you ever met. Or they don't want to fucking know you and they treat you like shit sometimes. But like with with you guys, you guys were all sweethearts, especially you. You were like so nice. You were headlining the show and you were just like, like for how funny you are, you should be a dick. And, um, you know, I, some people I will say some people are going to hear this and be like, humble. What? what are you talking about? <laughs> humble. They're gonna be like, why is that humble? Oh, like, get the fuck no, out of here. No, no, you might be confident you know with is. your shit. You might be confident with your ability, with your talent, with your skill level. And that's not and people misinterpret that arrogant. And that's not the same shit. And that isn't yeah, the man I, I fell in love with. <laughs> yeah, I will say, like, when it comes to like when you're going out of town and you're meeting other comics and stuff like that. Like, I would say, I guess, in the local open mic scene, like, I guess, like, if people knew me before, like, they've been like, oh, like, he acts like he knows it all or whatever. Like, that's just be honest opinions and stuff like that. Like, I'm a big fan of comedy. Like, I'm a big fan of the art form. I'm a big fan. I was a huge, huge, um, huge, like, when I started doing comedy, I didn't listen to music for, like, three years, like, three and a half years, because all I listened to was to, like, podcasts and, like, gathering information and all this stuff just to become a better comic because like we have these these opportunities you know today that other comics didn't have like Chris Rock you'd hear him say that like he's like yeah I I got passed at the at the um the first time he got passed like first time he did stand up he got passed and um I, was, I forgot it was a, a catch a rising star right I catch a rising star and he said he goes like I would sit there from like eight o'clock before the show started and put out seats and stuff like that 
And then I'd watch all the comics all night. That was his YouTube. There was no other opportunity. You would have to wait for like late night shows or a special to come out and like a movie like Eddie Murphy or whatever. You know what I mean? Like at that time, like you'd have to listen to a record, you know? Um, but even then you couldn't watch it unless you were in the room. So if you were 16, 17 years old, you would have to have seen it on late night for five minutes, you know, when somebody doing a spot and stuff like that. And it's like, we have these opportunities to like watch comedy all day and watch professional comedians. Like even before we started, I was watching this kid on Don't Tell Comedy um, on their YouTube. And uh, I just watched like 10 minutes of his, like five minutes of his set and it was really funny. And like, you can learn so much and so much quicker today than I think before. And like, I used to love just sharing the knowledge that like, cause I, I'm excited, you know what I'm saying? Like when you're learning something, um, you, um, it says that like, when you talk about it, it's how you retain it the best. So it's like, I would go around comics and be like, oh, did you hear this podcast? Did you hear this? Did you hear this? And like ear beating the shit out of other comedians. <laughs> you're, you're, you're passionate. You're passionate. You love I love this shit. shit. And you love sharing yeah, I, it. You're like, you, you, yeah. you got a heart. You, you got a heart on for comedy. And I love that. Yeah. And it's just like, and yeah. I, I can tell that because like also though too, you were too cool for school in that like, it, it's just like, you're like, it, it, you, you didn't say it, but like you, you pretty much were like, you, you do your thing, baby. You do your thing, baby. I know you're gonna do a good job. They hired you from the club. You're gonna do a good job. Just do your best. Don't, don't worry about it. We'll have fun. And, and, we'll have fun. And, you know what's and that funny? took so much pressure off. So much yeah. pressure off because I wanted you guys to like me. I wanted you guys to also, but 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 above all that, I want to do a good job. I want to make sure the club hires me again. I want to make sure that when you guys go back to wherever you guys go back or wherever you guys go to your next gig, you guys aren't all like, hey. That host, he was really like, you know, friendly in the green room, but God, he sucked on stage. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just like, for me, it's like, I want to prevent that conversation from happening. I'm doing everything possible to make sure that like, it's a great show. Everybody gets the proper introduction to, you know, yeah. reflect the rock stars that we all are because everybody on that show did great. You guys have a great fucking fan base. The people, I was like, how the fuck did you guys get this many people out on a Sunday? That's by the way, and that's not that's not a backhanded compliment. So I like legitimately, and like I, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus, but that was one of the best Sundays I've ever had. I've ever hosted. You, I've ever fucking been a part of. I've ever fucking dude. As a, that was that didn't feel like a fucking Sunday show, and that was a Sunday show. There was like fucking 300 motherfuckers in there on a Sunday, on a yeah. Sunday, mind you. I Right before COVID, it fucking on my mom's birthday, December 8, 2019, Sunday. I skipped cheesecake to be with you, dude, because I was like, you know what, mom, I love you, but you ain't booking me at the improv, so I gotta go. I but remember, you know, it's so funny. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. We, you know, it's so funny. We had just come from hanging out with Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters in Vegas. Like we drove from Vegas all the way to San Jose Dude. and we did a show because we were like, we're like, we were going to go hang out with the Foo Fighters anyway and hang out with yeah. them. But then um, we were like, well, let's do a show. We're out on the West Coast. And then Tim was like, let's do San Jose. And then I'm like, it's a like nine hour drive. And we were like, fuck it, let's do it. <laughs> and then like, we ended up riding out there after and like, and then we flew back home. But um, back to Florida and stuff like that. But yeah, it, yeah it's been it's been an interesting. Um, I'm nine years into stand up, and nine years August first, and 
when I met you, that was three years ago. So I was six years in the stand-up, less than six years, about five and a half years, six years in. Yeah. And um, the opportunity that we had and that we created and stuff and kind of manifested, it's kind of weird because, like, um, I always, in this business, and I've always told people this in this business, um, in my opinion and what I've experienced myself is that you have to get picked in this business, whether it's by a manager, by an agent, by a booker, by name it, you got to get picked, which that means that you have to be liked, you have to be cool. There's a lot of factors that go into that is not just being funny. Right. And funny becomes funny is just the standard. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like funny Absolutely. is just once you get to like where you're doing comedy clubs like that level and you're known by bookers around the country and stuff like that, everybody's funny. Yeah. For well, 45 minutes, everybody's funny. It, anybody's funny for 45 minutes to, to an hour. Name a headliner. It doesn't matter. If they're hired by the club, everyone has a bad night, blah, 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 an off night, blah, blah, blah. The crowd sucks, blah, blah, There's all that. Yeah. But they know how to kill for 45 minutes to an hour, which allows the clubs to sell food and drinks. Dude. That's but- your job. Your job is to buy time. That's why the most important thing in comedy is do your fucking time. Bombing or not, if someone paid you, do your time exactly to the T don't go over don't go under do it exactly to the T because as me as the guy that's waiting in the room to go up I know exactly how much time I have to have a drink to poop to pee to (laughs) hang out to do to talk shit to get in the zone put my headphones on whatever I need to know that exact time and if you get off early you threw me off but um, it's important. It's it's important. And for me, when I started doing standup, I was like three and a half years into standup, and I was like, "This sucks. Like, I don't like. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like. I don't like. I don't like not having control." Franco, the I, most honest comedian I know. <laughs> most comic book like, man. How much it sucks. God, it's, like, it's but you love it, so you can say it sucks. You, yo, no, it sucks. Like, it sucks. The. <laughs> The, the how to make it, you know what yeah, I mean? The yeah, how yeah. to make it sucks. Like, it's like, when you hear a story, it's like, well, so-and-so saw me. He thought I was funny and blah, blah, blah. And it's like all these factors. And I'm just like, but how do you get better and get to that point a little bit quicker? Like, how, how can we get there? You know, and, the, and everyone says stage time is everything. Stage time is everything. Stage time is everything. But what if you're not getting stage time, then you're not going to get better. But then, but then there's this thing, it's like, you've got to get better to get more stage time. So you're stuck in this weird place where you're learning something that we're like, hey, it's kind of like, it, it kind of sucks. It hurts. Like, it hurts. You don't know how many times I cried from an open mic and I went home crying in my car because all I wanted to do was be funny. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted to be funny. I wanted to be one of the guys that people respected in the scene and all that stuff. And like, um, and what's funny is that I never really got that until like before I left Florida. So I never really experienced it because um until I came back touring as fresh drunk stones with my buddies and stuff like that but um that was kind of what started the idea of that like okay it seems like the way a lot of people make it is by getting picked 
I Dude. don't like that because I'm a control freak. I'm a control freak. <laughs> Especially Hispanics. We grew up in like this weird culture and stuff like that where you have no control of what's happening and you're just told what to do with no reasoning. And then you take bad advice, you take good advice and then shit happens in your life and you go, what the fuck? And you're like, and, and like, so we live in this culture where it's like, we live 20, 30 years behind with our family and then also live in progressive America. And we're like, yes. Well, if I listened to you, I would be a manager in a restaurant because that's what we came to this country for, is for prospering and be better lives and have a career, have a nice car and all this stuff. And I decided to do comedy. <laughs> and be like, no, 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 let me try to figure this, how to be funny on stage, you know what I mean? So. Dude, I just had this conversation with my immigrant mom and my immigrant dad. It's just like, you know, I'm talking to them about like, you know, what I'm doing right now with like, because like, you know, you try to like, my, my parents came here from Mexico for better opportunities, better life to make more money, to, to, to live the American dream. And like, you know, unfortunately their youngest son, who's me, my American dream is to be an entertainer. So, you know, for them, it's just like, like, like the first time I made uh, money doing stand up, my mom thought that I was prostituting myself out to get that money. She didn't believe that somebody paid me to go oh, out joke. and, you know, perform stand up and get compensated with that financially. And so when like my mom's like, Mijo, are you selling your are you selling your body? And I looked at my mom right in the eye and I was like, Mom, who would pay to fuck me? Like, <laughs> like come on, mom. You're like, let's, let's you're like relax. Like, like, I know that I'm your baby. You think I'm the most beautiful <laughs> thing in the world, but <laughs> You know, like I, I know. I've been outside. I've been outside, and I, like, I know. Like, no, but, but, that's, but you know what's funny? It's hard. It's hard being like a first generation immigrant and like coming to this country and then trying to justify that, like, hey, this is gonna pay off one day. Oh, right. all the time that you spend away from your family and hanging out and all the shit, it's gonna pay off one day. And it's like, for them, it's like, I've said this on stage. I've literally said this where I'm like, I'm like, look at all of you in this room. I was like, if I called my father right now and showed him this, he'd go, that's nice. But what, but what is the manager in that restaurant, in that club making? Probably makes a good salary as benefits and all this stuff. My dad would rather see me as the manager of this place than the person that's on stage. And the audience doesn't understand that because you can hear that they're like, what do you mean? Like you they, can feel in the room that they're like, they're like, what? They're like, hell no, you're crushing it. And I'm just like, right. you don't understand. That's you don't understand that like, like, like getting a win in comedy means nothing to them because it doesn't translate <laughs> into something that we can give them. You know what I'm saying? Something that we can I, show them. They're going to be like, look, we're well off. We're doing all right. I, you know what I, I mean? I, I have to laugh because if, if I if I don't, I will cry right now because that statement resonates so hard with me because like even last week, I had one of the most productive weeks I've had in my life. Of super and productive. you couldn't tell anybody. You couldn't um, tell anybody. I mean, no one, no one gave a shit. And it was like, okay, how much money did you bring in from all your efforts? It's like, okay, shut the fuck up. Because it's not always about money. This yeah, is about I, I building. Booked, baby. <laughs> <laughs> How much are you getting paid for that gig? Shut the fuck up. 
That's not the point. Yeah. It's about my art. But but at the same yeah. time, it is important. It is important to get fucking higher paying gigs and just these fucking like tip tip bucket shows where it hurts the producer to give you ten dollars. It's like motherfucker, I just spent that much on bridge. Suck my dick. The, give me more fucking the, what the fuck. And that's where I kind of believe that like what Fresh Drunk Stone started as was just that's why I believe this. Like I believe in like, it's not that I wasn't getting stage time. It's not that I wasn't getting opportunities. I'm funny. I was funny as an open micer. I was good enough. I left Florida before I moved to Chicago and like top 10 finalists in the Florida's Funniest Comedian for the whole state of Florida. Nice. And um, uh, at three and a half years in, I'll take that shit. That's but you know good. something that I remember that's super interesting? You maybe have different feelings and stuff like that about like comedy and stuff like that. Because like for me, it's a psychological thing. And like, I'm in therapy for all this shit. I'm trying to figure this shit out because I want to be, I feel like my, my core beliefs will stop me from achieving my true, my true goals and what I want. Because like how I was raised, it's like, why are you doing that? You, no. why, you know what I'm saying? It's like, they, they don't, they don't say I'm proud of you. They don't say congratulations. They don't say it's Dude. all, it's, it's George Lopez's first hour. Okay. Is if you want to understand how we were raised, go watch George Lopez's first hour. And Mijo. that's how it's like to be in a Hispanic family, in a Latin family, where it's like, where it's like, where it's like, we came here, like they want to see you working hard and they're up there watching you tell jokes and drinking your hands, smoking weed, and they're like, but he needs to work hard. It's like I do work hard, but it's a different work. You know what I'm saying? Like right. I work different. I, I'm working up here. You know what Dude. I mean? Like, and it's like I can't show you like my wins until you see me in front of people. And I'll tell you this, um, for me, a really proud moment. Like I tell a joke about my dad, um, about my dad and saying how he's like never really told me that he's proud of me. You know what I mean? And like how in life, like what drives you a lot of times is to make your parents proud. You know what I mean? And like, and that's when I explained that I'm like, my dad could look at this room right now and he'd be like, God, I'd rather you be the manager. And it's true. You know what I mean? Like until they see something amazing. And like, I remember I brought my father to the New York comedy club in the East village. And he was, him and his friends were like 30% of the audience. So it was like 40, 50 people in the New York comedy club. It was nice, whatever. Um, I didn't have a great set. You know what I mean? And I told the story about him in the audience or whatever. Right. And um, I pointed him out. I'm like, I mean, he's actually right here. Look at him. He's right there. I'm going to tell the story. And like, it's where I asked my father. I'm like, do you think you've been a good father? And there's a joke there, but it's a very serious moment. Yeah. Um, but I said, I was like, dad, do you think you've been a good father? And I tell that joke. And after the show, you know, my dad walks up to me and he says to me in English, which he doesn't speak English well, he goes, I'm proud of you. And I go, oh, I was like, he couldn't even say it in Spanish, but he just heard what I said on stage. And he's like, he needs to hear this, which was fine. Right. Uh, and I took that as a win. I took that as a win. That's he definitely a win. Whatever. Absolutely. I'm, I'm yeah, proud. I, of, I mean, fucking shit. I mean, a Latin the, dad saying that it's like, no, I, I told my dad, which is Spanish for a hey, old man. I, 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 I care about you a lot. And he's like, it was pretty much like I, I like made a gay pass at him. He's like, uh, 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 I got to go. And I'm like, motherfucker, yeah, yeah. you don't gotta, I'm not, I'm not a, like, and tell me you love me. But like, yeah. at, at the same time, it's just like, you know, like, like he did tell me that he was like proud of me for doing like big shows where like, I'm actually performing in like, because the San Jose Improv is like a small theater, you know what? It so means a lot. Like, like it means a lot for them to see that. And like, right? like, you know, even for your father to be like, yo, you did, you performed in front of 300 people. 
at that point, the money doesn't matter. It's like, wow, you did. I've never, I would never do that. And that's what most right. people say when, when you tell them you're a stand up. They well, go, they can't. I would never, they I would never get on it. stage. They can't yeah. do it, man. Even if they and, tried, even if they wanted to, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that's stupid. You know what's stupid? You can't do it. And it's just yeah. like, and with, with being funny or being like, you know, like even before you were a stand up comedian, even before you attempted comedy and you were at the parties and you were the life of the party and people would gravitate towards you like you're a celebrity and you're holding court and it ain't even your fucking house you don't even know whose house it is it's like your girlfriend's friend's boyfriend's yeah. house and you're fucking holding court and everyone's just like oh shit oh what's going on are you a stand-up comedian it's like no at the time it wasn't you know what i mean like i wasn't yeah. actively pursuing it or anything but i was just like dude i just fucking got all the i'm holding court for all these white people that would normally never talk to me so it was just like, yeah. and it wasn't just that they were white. It was like, it was like one of those like housewarming parties where everybody's rich and they're trying to like outdo each other with the presence. And I'm just like, like, hey, you know the best is I you brought the best is, <laughs> is when, when when you're a comic already. Oh, yeah. You know how to tell a story. Yeah. And you hear somebody at like a party, you know, telling a story and you just go, I'm just going to wait for you to finish. And then you, and you're holding that grenade in your hand. and You're just like. Dude. Anyway, so and then you I, start, and you're just like pop, 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 like, <laughs> like that. You're just like, oh I, shit, like, dude. I never look at it as a competition. <laughs> I always look at it as a friendly banter. And so, like, no, yeah, the, yeah, no, no, no. Like, I know what you're saying. Like, I, I didn't you know, know like, we have like a superpower. We have like right. a little superpower. I, where, like, <laughs> you're like, oh, you think Jim is funny? Just give me one second. Hold on, hold on. Give me two seconds. Hold on. Let Jim finish. Oh, and he dropped the plate. Uh -huh. All right. But I don't see it as a competition. I just see it as that, like, you have the way I act in like public and stuff like that when I'm around non comedians. Yeah. This is your stage. I have my stage. Right. I get to go and get my attention when I want to. I'm not going to stand on a table at a bar and fist pump with you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, or stand on a soapbox. You're right, you're going to stand no, on a real I'm, stage. Yeah, yeah I'm, no, yeah. I'm going to stand in the corner and watch because I like I'm a that. comic. Right. I like to observe. I like to observe. I'm a comic at the end of the day. I can't be experiencing it and then also be observing it, you know? So, like, for me, um, one of my favorite moments was here at the Dania Improv, which is, like, six minutes, ten minutes away from where I grew up and, um, like, where I live. And I... This past year, they opened up the Dania Beach Improv. Um, and in October last year, it was my first show there, headlining by myself, nice. you know, because um, I've, been, been, I've been by myself for the last two years. Congratulations and, um, on the headlining spot. That's fucking awesome. That's really yeah, fucking well, awesome. You deserve yeah, it, man. You were yeah, funny yeah. in 2019, and I don't see you have digressed in stand-up. Well, you know you what's know? so funny? Yeah, you know what's so funny yeah. is, like, back then, I, I was already technically headlining. Like, I was following the two people that taught me how to be a comedian, like Matt and Tim. And these you guys, guys had great were monsters. chemistry. Great. And they were monsters. Dude, that was, it was, dude, they were monsters. They're, they are. They're not were. They still yeah. are. Monsters. Oh, I meant they were that night when yeah. we were all together. It was chemistry. No, you no, know, no. Yeah, yeah. People came up yeah, to I, me. They were like, because you all toured together. I was just the host that night. But people were coming up to me and they were like, Hey, so you all tour together. Where's your guys' next spot? I'm like, oh, actually, their next spot is yeah. I don't know where, but they're there. And what's so <laughs> funny is that, you know, it's funny. I'll tell you the story behind that, how we started touring together. We were the three guys at an open mic 
that when the open mic ended at 10, 11 o'clock, we were in the parking lot at three in the morning talking shop. The three of us. So the three of us to ironically end up as really best friends and going on the road together, it was almost like perfect. Like it was almost like it was meant to be because like we were those guys. Like, and in comedy, I feel that um, greatness gravitates towards greatness or like, and not in general, in like life. Like how does Mark Twain get to hang out with Albert Einstein? You know what I mean? Like, like, why are they best friends if they're in two completely different fields? Because greatness is greatness, dude. Like, they understand what it takes to get there. Michael Phelps could talk to Michael Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because they know what it's like to be at the top of their fucking class and what it takes to get there and the dedication and all that stuff, you know? And so um, I think there's something to be said that, like, when you're in comedy, you know what I mean, and you're doing really well, the great comedians in that community will gravitate towards you and you end up becoming friends with them and stuff like that because funny loves funny. You know what I mean? Right. And so, and, and as long as you're a nice guy, it's not that bad. You know what I mean? As long as you're passionate about this shit. And like, I've always loved this stuff, you know? And I loved, I loved, you know, the whole art of it. And like, that's how I met Matt. I went to his open mic and the first time on stage, he beelined towards me as I came outside and he goes, hey, I can tell you really like this shit. Like you're really passionate, like when you're on stage. You know, and it was like I was two months in, three months in. And he's like, and then we became best friends, like after that, you know, like, and um, and it's one of those things where like um I went, well, I'm gonna tell you the story about my dad and like in Dana to finish the the story about my dad and proud and stuff like that. My dad never really told me he's proud. So that New York thing happened, and um, and that was really dope. And then just a year ago, like I said, less than a year ago in October, I headlined the Dana Beach Improv. It's a big deal for me. And my father comes with my cousin and my little brother. And um, it was 300 people. I fucking did a great job. You know what I mean? I murdered my dad. Never seen he last time he saw me was in front of 40 people, and I wasn't that good. You know what I mean? And like, oh, yeah, now he huge saw me three, headlining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he saw me in front of 300 people. Yeah, killing. Nice. And um, and he was really proud of me. And like, the best thing that I heard wasn't even from him. It was from my brother, my little brother, saying that he came home that night. And he couldn't stop being like, wow, like, that's my son. Like, I saw him just fucking manhandle those people. Uh, and like that, like hearing it secondhand and knowing that my dad feels that way about me and that finally, like, I could, I showed him that, like, what I've been doing for the last eight years has yeah. led to this right here that you're watching right now. And um, it meant a lot to me, you know, and like, that's why, like, if you have kids, like, tell them that you're proud of them, you fucks. Tell them that they're fucking good people. Okay. Yes. Tell them tell them that yes. they're gonna be great and that they can do anything that they want. You fucking pieces of shit. Like hey. I don't have the perspective of a parent, but I'll tell you from a child. Yeah. Absolutely. Do that shit. Dude. Hug your kids. Tell them you love them every once in a while. Okay. Just because your parents didn't do that shit doesn't mean you can do it to your kids. You fucking asshole. Okay. Fucking, oh. It's so stupid. I gotta play it's devil's so advocate right here just for the sake of fucking argument. Hey, these fucking immigrant parents that know no fucking love. They're just fucking survivors. That's you know it. what's funny? You know okay, what I mean? Okay, okay. All right, so there's no, there's no love. It's just survival. And also, mijo, mijo, don't go, don't do that. You're going to embarrass yourself. You're going to embarrass the family, mijo. Mijo, yeah, yeah. mijo. Mijo. They don't want you. They don't want you Mijo. to break away from the tribe. That's right. All tribal Mijo. instincts. It's like they don't want you to be. Oh, That's what do you think? change. Like, change is yeah, scary. Oh, oh. Change is. I don't give a fuck who you me? are. It's not that you're better than everybody. It's what you're doing statistically. You're not going to make it statistically. And you're funny and you're talented. And there's still a good chance you're not going to make it. 
there's still a good chance. And you know what? In my mind, I, like you made it, I've made it in terms of fucking doing what the fuck we set out to do. And to be Listen. honest with you, everything else is just icing on the cake. Of course, household names. Of course, like, you know, having our own sitcoms. And like, you know, it's like, like everybody loves Raymond and King of Queens and you and me have our own sitcoms and we all guest, guest star on each other's sitcom. And, you know, it's fun and it's a good... Yeah, the Franco Harris any... show, the Victor Pacheco show, and then, yeah. then I'm on your yeah. show. I'm on the Franco Harris show. Sometimes you're just like, woo! And it's just you know, it's and it's just like, but what's funny is fuck though. You're putting in the work. I'm putting in the work, and then like sometimes you go to open mics, and these fucks that can't even fucking write a fucking one minute joke or one minute premise are like, when I get famous, I'm like, dog, why don't you fucking worry about right now with the three minutes that you're getting? So the- after a minute, you're just like. So what do you guys want to talk about? And I'm like, wow, why don't you yeah. talk about something funny? Uh, yeah, that, and, and right? like, you know what's funny is that it depends on where you're at. You know what I mean? Like, if you were to see me in, at an open mic, you would go, this guy doesn't deserve to be at the improv. But that's in reality... Not that's not no, true. No, 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 no. But some no, people no, no, do no. think that way. Some people do think no. that way. No, I no, agree that some people... And that's fucked and that's up. that's perfectly fine. No, 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 no. You know why? You know why I it, like it's it's like a part of it is that like, you know, what's funny. I came back to Florida and there's this whole new scene down here. I was gone for a few years and there's all these new comics and they don't know where I've been and what I've done because they didn't see it. They didn't see me for me hanging out with them to touring clubs. Right. You know what I mean? Like uh, they're seeing me hanging out with them. And, and packing like, out those clubs. You're packing out, selling out those clubs. <coughs> like I said, yeah. that was one of the best Sunday. Sh- it didn't feel like a Sunday show. It didn't feel like a Sunday show. I can't, I'm gonna bring that up 10 more times before this episode's over. And like, <laughs> because I swear yeah. to God, that was honestly like really like, dude, as far as fucking, and also the thing that was super impressive, you guys are all on tour. You guys are tour- traveling around the country. You guys We're aren't, ba- you guys aren't, hold on. You guys are best friends. You guys aren't based in California. And you guys, like, dude, they opened the top tier. And people were, like, sitting in the top tier. So, like, dude, I was, I was like, I wasn't nervous. Trust me, I wasn't nervous about doing a good job if I was funny. I was like, fuck. I hope I don't do Who are these job. guys? No, yeah. no, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> there was a lot of feelings. It wasn't just like, no, but also, you guys were all such sweethearts and all so nice. And nobody had a fucking ego. Nobody was like, yeah, like, and I'll like, tell you I'm why. And it, it, here. it no, was funny. No, you know you what? all treated you know me what? like like an equal. And it was a triple headliner show. And even though I was hosting, you guys still treated me like a headliner. That's what at was the cool end of the d- At the end of the day, it's like, it's like, you're a comic. I'm a comic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't be weird. Just be fucking cool. You came in. You offered us weed, and we we're like, "Yeah, let's smoke some weed." And we're upstairs in the dope ass green room smoking <laughs> weed, and I'm sitting there videotaping us <laughs> like, with like my little gimbal and shit. And it's like, no, it, it, it was fun. But like at the end of the day, you know what's really funny? As much as like you saw it the way you saw it, what you saw at that time was three open micers learning how to become headliners. And oh, learn and learning great though. That's it. Didn't like no, nobody. Well, like, nobody saw that. Nobody saw that, including the, me. It was fun. And then no, the no, what threw the, me off? You because you told me how long you've been doing stand up at the time, and I was all like, "That's fucking cool. I like that." Because we're talking about single digits, and you're headlining the improv. 
And it don't matter if it's on a Sunday. That that shit's like a fucking like, oh, you're headlining the weekend. Motherfucker, Sunday is a weekend. Suck my dick. If there's, you know if there's any if there's any advice that I could impart that came to me, there's a couple of great things that happened to me um, that made me get on this journey of like being like, I'm not going to wait around and for somebody to pick me because the odds of that happening, the odds are stacked against you all the time, no matter what. So let's try to create better odds. And like my whole plan was that like, it's like, yo, let's go out there, get some stage time. Doesn't matter where the fuck it is. And if we can do a club, we can do a club. And the thing is, is that if you're like a feature or a host at a, a regular host at your local club, you're a hop, skip and a jump from doing what we did. Because you can grab a couple of your funny friends that are feature acts too. And you go to the club and you go, yo, can you give us an off night? You know what I mean, and like if you can, yeah. if you can pack it out, whether it's free tickets or paid tickets, here's the best advice that I can give to anybody. Okay, these comedy clubs, all right, and they're gonna hate that I'm gonna say this, okay, and I only say this in private, but I'll stop talking <laughs> to you right now because everybody should know this shit. Everybody should know this shit. Okay, learn how to market a fucking show there's no <laughs> more there is oh no more there is no more handing out flyers putting a flyer in the bathroom when's the last time that you went to a bathroom and you saw a flyer for a band or a comedy show and you went you know what i'm gonna come back <laughs> no no, never, shut never. the fuck up. Never. No it never happened. Anymore. I never had that's what was it's impressive. never happened. That's what was Listen, impressive. That you're was wasting <laughs> you're wasting your valuable time on shit that doesn't matter. Oh, I want to put a flyer with my face on it and my other comedian buddies. Let me tell you a little secret. No one cares about you unless you're famous. And how do you get famous? only a few ways baby there's only a few so but what's the caveat in that what i've learned in my life is give me my nose get tell me where you're telling me no and in between those no's there's yeses and this is what we figured out this is what we figured out okay there used to be this show in fort lauderdale at the fort lauderdale hard rock improv um it's closed down now it's navadania beach improv and so um there used to be a show on thursday called laugh out loud marvin dixon when I first started doing stand-up eight, nine years ago. And on a Thursday night, there would be 400 people lined up outside. Holy and shit. Gilbert Godfrey, rest in peace, if Gilbert Godfrey could be doing the early show at 8 p.m., okay? At 8 p.m. He'd be doing the early show at 8 p.m. 150 people on a Thursday night. When Gilbert Godfrey walks outside, there's 400 people waiting for a late-night show for a local dude. That his name, well, he was he was local in the sense that he lived here and he had BT comic view credits and stuff like that. Like he was, this was like 10 years ago. So he, he was, was yeah. pe people knew him. People knew him in South Florida. Marvin Dixon he used to be on the radio down here and stuff like that. Really oh, funny nice. comedian. Nice. To the point where like I one day was there on a Thursday night doing a open mic or some shit or watching a show at eight o'clock. And I walked outside and I went, what the fuck is going on? And I remember I waited for the show to get packed and I walked in there. To just to see what it was like, it was the wildest thing I've ever seen. 
It was the wildest, craziest show I've ever seen. And it was funny as fuck. And I was like, wow, what is happening here? So what happened was that me and Matt and Matt Bellick used to work at the corporate offices at the, at the improv. Okay. Knowledge is fucking everything. Don't negate when someone tells you something or you know somebody and shit like that, because you don't know what it can help you in the future. So we start touring, right? We start touring and this is what we realized, okay? I'm going to tell you this right now. The comedy club websites, for them to purchase a ticket, you have to fill out 18 fields of information, okay? So when we go to do our first tour run, we do a bunch of local bar shows throughout the week, and we end at the West Palm Beach Improv on a Sunday. We had told our friends and family. All of our friends and family, we're touring now. We're coming back into town from Chicago and LA. Come and watch us, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's excited. This is how people fill up shows when they leave town and they come back and stuff like that. Oh, look, they're in LA. They're in New York now. They're in Chicago. And then they go back to a small town and everybody comes out to see them. So we, so we did that, right? And they came out. We had great shows throughout the week. We go to that show. 131 people show up. We had given them a promo code that discounted the tickets to $0, that their tickets are free. Now, what am I telling you right now, Victor? What am I telling you right now with the information that you just heard? That they're, I'm dis that they're going to the improv website, discounting a ticket. What does that let you know right now? That the comedy club does not care if it is a paid ticket or a free ticket. All they care is about an ass in the fucking seat. Okay, that's all they care about. Because why, when you sit there, you're going to learn something very important, uh, uh, something that they love to hear, which is this word, these three letters, PPA. You know what a PPA is? It's your price per attendee. Now, let's do a little bit of math. The average PPA in the country, around the country, is $21. $21. So if 350 people show up at the improv on a free ticket, 350 people show up, right? 350 at 31. I'm going to do the math for you right now on my phone. At 21, they made $7,350 in three hours of being open from the doors open to end of show. Okay. They want a 90 minute show. Why do they want a 90 minute show? Because that's the time it takes to sell drinks and get those people checked out. What is, what is the last call, the last 30 minutes? You get the light. That's when the, the checks, the, what comics hate is called check drop. All right. They love check drop. You do 90 minutes exactly. The less time you do on that stage, you could do an 80-minute show. And they'll be happy. Because less people on the clock. We make more money, same amount of money, less people on the clock. Thank you, okay? So listen, 131 people show up to our show. 120 of them are our friends and family, and they walked up to us outside of the box office and said, where do we get our tickets? Our own friends and family did not go to their website to fill out 18 fields with the promo code to discount it. They waited till the day of the show. Right there, Franco went, that's a fucking problem. Why is that taking so long? 
Why didn't they do that? I start asking these questions. Why didn't they do that? By the way, 131 people on a Sunday night at the, at the Palm Beach Improv, the owner, Renee Hart, who is known all over the country, has been in the business for 40 years, okay, well, walked into the green room and said, I am so fucking proud of you. I was in tears because I thought we failed because it wasn't enough people. Crying while I was about to go on stage while the host is on stage. And then she comes into the green room and goes, I am so proud of you guys. 131 people, fucking amazing. And I looked at her and she's like, why the fuck are you crying? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Oh, this is such a great show. And she's like, she's like, you guys did amazing. And then I had to walk on stage and do fucking 20 minutes and shit like that while I was just wiping tears off my fucking eyes and stuff. And, and so, uh, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Fucking ass. Oh, there you are. There you are. Sorry about that. No, I was like, shit. Sorry about that. Man, that's that's <laughs> dude. I mean, because what you feel is a fucking failure, and what and like somebody's applaud the, the the owners applauding you is just like that's like it's so fucked up because like there's times where like you walk off stage because you want to hit a ten out of ten on every single aspect, like on the on the setup, the punchline, the I mean, I'm sorry, the premise setup punchline. You want to hit a ten out of ten on every single part of it, and if you hit a nine. On just one part, it fucks that fucking whole ten up. So you'll walk off we stage, thought, and you'll yeah. feel like shit. You feel like you just yeah, bombed. Because- and people will come up to you and be like, "You did such a great job." And I'm just like, "Go fuck yourself." I mean, that's what you're thinking. You don't want to say that, or you're just like, "Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for supporting my." Yeah. Show. So mean- like, so like, so like, listen. <laughs> if I can give any advice, so like, if I can give any advice about the PPA, about anything, yeah. So what does what, what does this let you know? I'll give you an example. When Bill Burr comes to the West Palm Beach Improv and he goes 600 seats, right? It seats 525. He does actually, does probably like 550, 600, right? They throw in extra seats in there, shit like that. He charges $50 a ticket and the club gets, the club gets zero of that money. But you know what they're guaranteeing? Look at this. So you think the people that are coming up that are paying $50 to come watch Bill Burr are not going to spend $150 on fucking food and beverages? Yes, they are, because we came to see Bill Burr, okay? And we're balling. This is a special event because it's at a comedy club and I'm not going to a theater, so I'm balling out, right? So let's just say the average PPA, the $21 off of 525 people that sit at the Palm Beach Improv, they made $11,000, okay? $11,000, all right? So, and he he does four shows. They make they're probably going to make more than that. So at 525, let's say the PPA is $41 because they're balling. They yeah. made $21,000. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. what does that tell you? If Bill Burr does four shows, they made a hundred grand and it cost them zero in promoting zero. They just had to turn on the lights. The tickets sold themselves. They just posted it and said, Bill Burr's coming. Okay. So what happens? What does that tell you? What do they care about? They care about Food and beverage sales. That's why there's a two drink minimum. Absolutely. How much is the average drink? At, how much is the average drink at an improv? I'll tell you right now. It's twelve dollars. I was just gonna right. say twelve or fourteen bucks, right? Times two. That's twenty four dollars. And you don't go to just a comedy show by yourself. You go with other people. You go with a group of people. So if there's any advice that I can give to, if you're in your local scene and you have an A club anywhere around you, and yeah. you're like. They won't book me as the host. They won't book me as the feature. I'm going to tell you something right now. Every booker, every manager has access to your local scene. 
and they see what you're doing and they they don't they won't like your post that's conflict of interest why am i going to do that i like your post they don't like famous people's posts the managers of the clubs you think they're going to like your dumbass post about their about your little fucking bar show that does nothing for their club in fact your bar show that you have on friday night takes away business from my comedy club that's down the street so in fact, I don't like your show, okay? Because they could be at my club, but instead you're finagling them to going to a bar where there's a fucking blender going off every fucking five minutes. Jesus ah, fucking Christ. Ah. And, then when, and then when me as the comedy club manager puts an advertisement out for those same people, they go, last time I went to a comedy show it was this fucking like um, bar and tequila place and it was a disaster. You know what I mean? Like, I know I'm not going to go to the club. Fuck that. It's probably cost like $150. I went there for free and it was terrible. So you have to think about this. You have to think about this. And oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, but also, though, too, though, when people fucking put these fucking shows together, even like at a bar, right? Like they don't even want to do the best show. They want to do the best friend show and put all the shitty open mic friends up there. So like when somebody does decide to go to a comedy show and they go to this comedy show, they're like, you know what? I don't want to ever go to another comedy show again. It's just going to be a bunch of fucking drunk or fucked up, depressed assholes that aren't even funny. So then like, you know, again. Going back to like it, it because it's funny because sometimes it's like it feels like, oh, shit, I'm not deserving of this great thing. But then you're just like, wait a minute. Yes, the fuck I am. I work my ass off for this shit. But then like you're just like, fuck, man. So did other people. Other people just like didn't get this far. And you're just this like, Who gives I a always, shit? You know what I mean? Yeah, This is what I always tell comics. Treat it. If you've ever been to a comedy club, Absolutely. does somebody just go I walk in, sit where you want? No, you get greeted. Hey, thank you so much. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Thank you for getting tickets. Hey, how many in your party? Three? Fantastic. We seat from front to back, okay? And I know if it makes you a little bit uncomfortable, we'll put you a little bit behind. We won't put you up front. But for, but for a better show, we seat front to back. And if you are going to a venue where the owner of the venue goes, you can't move chairs and tables, don't do a fucking show there. Because right. it's not going to be good for comedy. Right. Okay? You're Preach. Just the whole, you're shitting Preach. on the whole experience. Okay. Now, if you can work with the owner to be like, yo, can I bring in extra chairs, bring them up close to the stage, bring them around, create an environment, get a spotlight, put the money and the effort into it. If people got tickets on Eventbrite, okay, show me your ticket, put a fucking wristband on them. How much does it cost to buy a pack of a hundred wristbands or 500 wristbands? Cost $10. Invest in that shit. Stop buying fucking weed. Okay, stop wasting your time. <laughs> All right, because it's not going to happen. Okay, no one's that funny anymore. Everybody's funny. In fact, I could go on TikTok right now and find 30 people that are funnier than you right now. They're going to make me laugh and they're not even comedians. Okay, because they made a stupid video. So don't tell me that your high art form, that you're putting it all into that, okay? Because these Bro. days you gotta be a little bit of everything. You gotta be a video editor, you gotta be a producer, you gotta yes. be you gotta be a you gotta be a podcast. Go fucking learn Lightroom. Instead of jerking off and playing video games, go learn Lightroom. Go buy Photoshop. Go buy a video. Yes. Editor. Go buy a <laughs> Go buy this. Instead of sitting there and going, why did that guy get an opportunity? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you 30 reasons why that guy got an opportunity before you. And I'll tell you that funny was the standard. He's right. just funny. Be undeniable. And then everything else happened. But if you do the little extra on top of being funny, because what people are afraid of is that they're like, oh, I'm going to be the not funny producer. 
for a while, yeah. But you know what you're getting right now? Stage time that they would Absolutely, never have. Right. Yeah. You know, and so and so what I tell people is that if you get a show, all right, if you can't get booked, if, if, if this is I'm all about opportunity. If if the opportunity is someone else saying yes to me and you're not getting those yeses and you're getting frustrated, so this is what you do. Okay, I'll tell you what to do. This is a simple plan. In your local scene, if there's an A club there, if your A club isn't giving you any play, but they keep giving Johnson and Johnson his play and Malika her play and everybody else that you're friends with is getting spots and stuff like that, but you're not, you know what you do? You know all these people, right? That are super funny, right? You're friends yeah, with them. Absolutely. You know them. You, you you know them in the scene. You want to work with them? Produce a dope ass show. Get a Eventbrite account. Open up a Facebook and an Instagram account. Get a dope name for your show, okay? That's what Fresh Drunk Stones was. That's what the Fresh yeah. as Fuck Comedy Tour is. That's what Dope City Comedy Tour is. Now you see all these tours. Eight years ago when we started doing it, five years ago when we started doing this, it wasn't, this it didn't exist. It didn't exist. And now all these people are doing this shit. Right. And they're calling them their little tours and stuff like that. It's stage time for everybody. So this is what you do, right? So you start when you produce a show. Get an Eventbrite account. Learn how to market. Link your Eventbrite account to Facebook marketing ads. Go on Facebook ads. Learn the Facebook ad method and how to market to people. There's somebody in your scene that's already doing this and they know how to do it or they work with Facebook marketing at their job and they yeah. have the skill and you're a funny comic and you do this for eight hours a day where you get paid to do it, but for your art and the love that you have, you don't do it for that. So there's a bunch of skills that you have outside of comedy that work in show business. And this is what people don't realize is that a lot of the skill sets that you've acquired, whether it's being a teacher, whether it's being a waiter, whether it's being a bartender, whether it's working in marketing, that shit all helps you in this. Me being a waiter for years learned when I started my first room, a year in stand-up comedy, yeah. we treated it like it was the improv with Matt Bella, who I ended up touring with years later. We treated it like an improv. You got a fucking wristband. We sat you front to back. You know what I'm saying? It was a tight show. If it was only 50 people, but then what started to happen? I started hosting my own show. I started getting more gigs. You know what I mean? Not because they wanted to be on my show because they were like the other bookers in the local scene were like, oh, I heard you run a great show. It gets around. Nobody's, yeah. nobody's, nobody is going, I went to this great, horrible show. Like it was <laughs> terrible and bragging about it. You know what right. I mean? Like, we all, we all talk. So produce right. a good show, learn how to market, build an email list. An email list is so fucking important. It's what the comedy clubs do. What we basically did is we took the model of the comedy clubs and put it towards our tour. They're in the business, comedy clubs are in the business of collecting emails. Why? That's why they have you fill out that comment card. Why? Because if you fill out that email card, I can email you later when shows are light and there's only 50 tickets sold on a late night Friday show. I can email blast you and be like, hey, you want to come back? Yeah, so free tickets and we make money, packed room, comedians happy, I'm happy, we're all happy, we all make money. Yeah, okay. That's and so that's what's up. There is no funny. I'm gonna tell you this right now. Funny is the standard. I always tell people this. <laughs> Everybody's funny when you're working with bookers and comedy clubs. If you can do a little something a little bit different and bring people out, whether it's a paid ticket or a free ticket, that's the valuable information that I'm telling you right now. Learn how to give away free tickets. And remember I told you about Marvin Dixon earlier? We're going to wrap this up right now into, into a full circle. 
So when we started touring, we started doing the free tickets on Eventbrite. And that changed everything because we, could, we didn't rely on them going to the website. And what Eventbrite does is that when you get a ticket, whether it's free or paid, you get their email. And you can oh, email sad. them for future shows. So no matter, you're not losing money, dumb dumb. You're not losing money. You put a hundred, you put 50 bucks on a show with the right demographics and the right age range, 21 to 45. Okay. With that age range. Okay. And you put things that you like people that you know, like comedy, fucking Joe Rogan podcast. Those are your demographics. These people, these people, and Facebook is smarter than you. And here's the thing. It's going to learn the more you use that account. A lot of people start working with these accounts and then they go, oh, I'm paying a dollar a click, $2 a click. It's learning, stupid. It's learning. The next time you run an ad, it's going to run it better and you're going to pay less money because it's learned the way your audiences work. So every time you run an ad, like right now, I'm paying four cents a click, four cents a click. And here's the thing, whether they come to the show or not, I have your email. I will email you the next time I come back to this city or this town or in your local show, a future show. Oh, hey, nice. you couldn't make it this month. I'll get you next month. You couldn't make it next month. I'll get you on the fourth month. That's what comedy clubs do. So like, instead of sitting here and then what's going to happen, if you start running a great show, you call it the don't tell comedy show that right. you're running out of your house or you're running out of a bar with a little dope side room where it's private and it's packed out and you got pictures to prove. And then on top of that, you have data. You have data. You have this. I gave away a thousand tickets and uh, 200 people showed up. So a lot of people. You can go to, okay, so listen to this. Remember Marvin Dixon? Those, yeah. eight, those 400 people that would show up and be outside of the club. So yeah. Matt Bellick used to work at the corporate offices. And I asked him one day, I go, let me ask you a question. This is years later, after I've seen all that Marvin Dixon shit. I put two and two together and I went, wait, how is Marvin Dixon, who's not famous, getting people out to come to his show like that every fucking, every other week? So I asked Matt, I was like, Matt, what do they do in the corporate offices? Well, this, I'll tell you the little secret. I'll give you the number right now. All right. This is a big, it's all numbers. What I told you has nothing to do with being funny. Funny, be funny. That's your goal all day. Now, learn the shit that I just told you, you're unstoppable, all right? So check this out. So 1,200, so check this out. So this is what Matt told me. Matt told me, he goes, the number is 20%. We give away, we call 1,200, we call 600 people. 600, uh, or no, we call 800 people. You want tickets to the improv? You want tickets to the improv? You want tickets? From that email list that they've amassed over the years, they have an urban list, they have a Hispanic list, and they have a white people list. I'll tell you right now, as Jesus much as you want to think, Christ. as much as you want to think, as much as you want to think, <laughs> oh, they're not, they're so progressive. It's business, baby. I'm going to tell you something right now. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something right now. Get your little feelings out of here, because if you think you're not getting booked because you're a gay trans comic, no, you're not getting booked because you're not funny, okay? You don't know how to get people to come out to your show, okay? <laughs> that has nothing to do with your sexuality or anything like that. <laughs> funny is funny, dog. Absolutely. Funny is funny all, all day. Funny is funny. I'll have a gay trans... I don't care what you are. Do you kill? You're on, you're on my show. I don't care. You funny, you funny, dog. You know what I mean? At the right. end of the day, 
if you're funny, it's funny. So it's like, it, it, and, and as much as like, and I do, I do know, I do know that there is discrimination and stuff like that. But data, any marketer will tell you this. Data has no race. Yeah. It's just data. It's just data. Okay. So I'll give you an example. So for instance, he goes, we hit up the urban list and we call them up. Y'all want free tickets to the Marvin Dixon show? Oh, I love Marvin Dixon. Hell yeah. Give me free tickets. So they give away 1,200 tickets and 400 people show up. Jesus. What's the capacity, by the way? 350. So what does that tell you? Ooh, what does that so, tell you? so they're turning people away and that's high demand. Okay. So yeah, he's doing it right. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Because I got it. No, 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 no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. He's not doing anything. The improv is doing everything. Okay. Wow. But here's the thing. They know, they know that if they give away. To, so this is what it tells you. If I give away, right, I'll give an example, like right now, all right, I have a guest list for my show at Richmond, okay, and the Richmond um, Funny Bone in the next month. Um, so I'll give you an example. I have 580 tickets that I've given away, free, free tickets, 580. What I know based on those numbers, right, 20%, 18% is your number. Out of 100 tickets that you give away, 20 people are going to show up. 18 to 20 people are going to show up. So if you put an ad out, free tickets to my local show right here in town at your favorite bar, it's run great. It's a great produced show. These people are going to come back. And then eventually what you can do is you can sell them tickets. The show is so hot. We stopped giving away tickets. And now you have this email list yeah. of people that have come to your show and they'll go, yeah, I'll pay five bucks to come out there. I'll pay five bucks to go watch that show. And there's no two drink minimum or anything like that. I'll pay five bucks. Do you see the business? Do you see the model? Yeah. Like what, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm working with here? So instead Absolutely. of sitting there and, 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 and literally going, I'm not getting booked out of the 52 weeks out of the year. There's only 52 weeks, bitch. And you can't get all of them. And if you have local guys that have relationships that have worked with these headliners, you're not going to get booked. Now that 52 weeks of you wanting to host your feature at your local club has turned into eight weeks out of the whole year. So you're fighting for eight weeks. Instead, produce your own show outside of that club, right? Yeah. And you can confidently walk up to that manager of that club when you've been producing a show for six months to a year where 50 to 100 people have come out. Yeah. And you go, hey, this is how much money the bar is making during my show for two hours. Yeah. This is how many people I've been coming out. These are the numbers. This is how many tickets I've sold. Now slap your don't tell comedy show with an improv or a funny bone on top of there. Be like the don't tell comedy show, and you email those people. We've moved up. We've moved up. We're at the club, baby. Tickets are $10. Come out to see the show. You get first dibs. Pre-sale starts now. Boom. Buy them on Eventbrite. Dude. Yeah, man. Like, to be honest with you, dude, like you gave out so much fucking game right now. I feel like we need to put a fucking link right here and like fucking people need to give you money for this because like this was so much game. What? bro what i didn't say a fucking single word me uh, okay to, uh, feel uh, dude do you have any questions? i was do you have any questions? i was looking <laughs> at, absolutely okay so um i me and my friend we went to go do the open mic at the improv hollywood improv you know they have the process there where it's like a lottery open mic and if you do good then you have a call back and blah blah that's how you get in right if you don't have a way in you know ask if they can um 
you know, do a recommendation for me. But like, you know what I mean? I'm just trying to do it on my own. But like, um, it's really, I don't know, it's kind of demeaning because like, you get already like, yeah, I'm about to go up, I'm about to go up. I fuck, I did my hair, I fucking did my clothes, I did all my shit. And it's just like, I'm not going up because they didn't pick my fucking name out of the bucket. And so it's just kind of like, fuck, I got already to do all this shit or whatever. So, but I told my homie, I was like, hey, we might not even go up. So let's go look for a venue, go do a stand-up comedy. So, dude, we took a wrong, not a wrong turn, but he looked up a venue that's no longer in existence. And we ended up, you know, this, uh, some part outside of Hollywood, it's like close to Hollywood and um, this beautiful theater. And it was like, um, I think it's like a 40, 4,500 seat theater. And we weren't looking for something that big. We're looking at more like 500, 800 seater. And like, we're like thinking about like, fuck, I wonder if we could like sell this out though. Like, you know, because these are like, like, but there's like one theater, like it's like, uh, like 4,500 seats. And there's another theater that's 2,500 seats. And there's another one that's 1,700 seats. And then there's another one, but I mean, it's all one chain of theaters not comedy clubs but it's just like i told my friend keith i was like bro if we could start shows here like this this would be like life-changing opportunities for us man i mean not just to perform but i mean to make meaningful money and to uh, would you like my advice would you like my advice as far as like dream big dream dream big here's your problem with theaters okay the problem with theaters is that you're gonna have to rent them you're going to have to pay a lot of money up front. There's a lot of hidden, not hidden costs, but it's like the curtain guy, the sound guy, the this guy. Do you need a microphone? That's an extra hundred bucks. You need a wireless mic. That's an extra two hundred dollars. Like it starts to add up. And then what happens is that they're going to take a cut of ticket sales and all that stuff. Yeah. So like, so like my advice to you, my advice to you is low overhead. Yeah, there's there's coffee shop. There's there's small improv theaters like right. that get no play and stuff like that. That if they get 20 people to come out to their Friday night improv show, it's great. Go in there and be like, hey, listen, um, I know how to get people to come out. You know what I mean? Like, like, and here's the thing is that you think it's hard to sell a ticket. Like it's easier to give away a ticket. It's hard to sell a ticket. It's fucking yeah. hard. Like, and so like you're you're talking about like selling to like obviously if you have like you know if you call it like you know the only way i could see the theater thing working with you is being like victor pacheco you know and the poppycock podcast present you know um pablo francisco and so and so but then you're paying money it's a lot of overhead right i mean so it's like so it's like so like um i've thought about all these things you know what i mean i think the best thing you can do is to find a place listen this is this is the business model when you go to look for a venue and stuff like that you go Hey, I really like your establishment. And you have to realize this. And this is what my buddy Nadim realized. Okay. If there's a music venue in your town, you know how much they're paying that band to play? $800, $600, $500, $400 for a single guy with a guitar to play for fucking three, four hours. Okay. That's what it costs. But your comedy show, and this is where comedians fuck up, is like, but your comedy show that's actually going to bring people, they're going to sit down and buy drinks, we're going to give you a hundred bucks. No, you're not. Because I know what you pay that musician. So you can walk into a bar and go, look at that guy sitting in the corner. He didn't bring anybody. In fact, 
people are going, ugh, that seems awful. And they're leaving, okay? But you're paying him $400. And here's the thing. Entertainment costs for a restaurant at the end of the year cost them nothing. It's a tax write-off. Oh, my God. So you tell them, you tell them, you walk into a business and you go, hey, listen, what's your slowest night? What's your slowest night? My slowest night is Tuesday or Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, right? Let's just say for the sake of argument, Sunday. Right. What are your sales on Sunday after 8 p.m.? I don't know, maybe like $500, maybe like $300 in sales. Like, and then we close at 10, 1030, you know what I mean? It's dead. Just close. All right. So check this out. What if I told you I could bring more in sales in right now on that day, on Sunday, all right, than what you have? And what you pay me doesn't cost you anything. And they're going to go, it doesn't cost me anything. You, set, you, you give me a business check, like you give to your, your accounts where you buy food and drinks and stuff like that. You give me a business check, you can write that off at the end of the year as an entertainment cost to me. Okay, oh so I cost you nothing, but I'm bringing you in money. You set when you put your tickets up, you put up a two drink minimum. Hey, or a one drink minimum, support the venue. Yeah. They're going to buy another drink. They're going to, no one just drinks one drink. Yeah, no one drinks one drink. You're right about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And then eventually I'm going to get hungry if I'm having a good time. You know what I mean? So then he's going to make money. And then you go, hey, the first one I charge $400. $400. The second one, it's seven hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars, because I need a budget to pay my comedian. Right. And it costs you nothing. You put tickets on Eventbrite. You link it to Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Add you run an ad through Facebook Ads Manager. Mm-hmm. Okay, the step by step process. Run a Facebook through Ads Manager. Right. Get a yeah. really dope name for your show. Get a really yeah. dope name for your show. Like, don't tell comedy the look at the venue. Look at the venue. Does it look like a speakeasy? The Prohibition Comedy Show. Uncensored. Right. Cool. Yeah, I, lo- cool. I love it because, dude, you got great ideas. And also, dude, very creative, very positive, very um, inspirational, man. Because, like, honestly, dude, like, I'm motivated right now to fucking go look for a venue you're, right now. Listen, based on what all, you're telling me, because, like, you're I... You're all talented. You're all talented. You have, even if you're not the funniest comedian in your community, but you have these skills. You just heard what I said. And, right. and you went, you went, I want to be funny, but I'm not getting booked on my local shows. Start the dopest show in town. And every dope comedian in town is going to want to work with you. And then you're going to get stage time with them. Okay. And you're going to get your own stage time. Also, this show that I'm talking about, this hypothetical prohibition comedy show that you're running out of speakeasy, you're right. going to run it once a month. Once a month. Not twice a month, not three times a month, once, once a, a month. month. Yeah. So that you put all your efforts into that show. And yeah. then you can go, you run that show for six to eight months. And you're bringing in numbers. You're making some cash. You know what I mean? And then you start selling tickets because of this email list. You're like, you know what? We're doing boots. We're selling upfront tables for 10 bucks. You know what I'm saying? And you put it there with the event right. Call for a reservation, blah, 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 this and that. Now you're selling tickets and giving away tickets. You're running like a you're running your own little club with no cost outside of a comedy club. Oh and you God. think that the comedy club that's the five, 10 mile radius around you isn't gonna look at you and go, I want some money. 
I want some of that money because you're making money on the night yeah. that I'm open too. If we combine our monies, we're going to be fine. Let's make money because I'm going <laughs> to tell you this right now. These companies, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to tell you this right now, dude. Nobody that's ever booked me has ever seen my app before they booked me. Wow. Listen, listen to what the fuck I just said out loud. Yeah. Because the, uh, the assumption is in their eyes, if you're funny, people come out. Right. So they're coming and out. And then what happens? Yeah. And then what happens? Listen, listen. So then what happens when the comedy club is busy, right? When the comedy club is fucking busy, right? And it's jumping and popping on a Sunday night because your prohibition comedy show is now at the improv. Guess what? That manager didn't believe you that you were going to bring out all these people and you brought them out. So now that manager that was going to sit in his office doing paperwork has to get on the line and run food. Okay. And then he doesn't know how the show's going. So how does he find out that it was a good show? How does the manager of that club go? We need to book this guy again. The numbers don't lie. What did we sell? I didn't leave the window until the show was over. 30, 20 minutes before the show was over. I was busy the whole time. So then what the club manager does is that they go, every time a server comes and drops off a cash out report, the report at the end of the night with all their credit cards and their money, they go, how was the show? Did your, did your, did your group of people like the people that you were sitting with that were sat with you section and they liked the show? Oh, they fucking loved it. He was really funny. She was really funny. They were really funny. Them was really funny. Absolutely. Okay. And that's how they know. I'm telling you, no one's ever seen my app. No one's ever seen my app. They've never said when I sent an email saying, hey, this comedy club, would you be interested in hosting the Fresh Drunk Stone comedy tour? You know, we've done all these other clubs. Here are the numbers. Here's some pictures. Here's video evidence. Yeah. Can you forward this to the talent coordinator? Also, a little... A little secret. A little, a little, a little, a little secret. Okay, I'm gonna tell you another little secret. A little, a little tiny secret. Yeah, sure. They're not called bookers. Don't insult them. Talent coordinators. I, or what's a booker, bro? A booker sounds like a sleazy. What the fuck is a booker? Yeah. What's right? a booker? Yeah. I'm no, gonna no, no, book no. you I'm... right now. So when you send an email, right, I'm gonna tell you another. I'm, 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 I'm gonna tell you another little secret. You know, you know where it says info on every comedy club page website. Yeah. Info. Yeah. Wink, wink. Everyone reads those emails. Wow. Um, so if you send the right email with yeah. the numbers, so you have your little prohibition comedy show. It's been right. successful for six to eight months. And you send an email to your local comedy club and you go at that info at, you want to get in touch with the booker that the guy that's untouchable. Guess right. what? When people, when people complain, they go to that website and they click on that email. So they read all those emails because oh, it's a complaint. God. The last time yeah. I was there, the server was a dick to me. He said I had to buy two drinks and blah, blah, blah. They have to read all of those because it's their business. Okay. <laughs> so then, so then, so then, and the manager of your club doesn't book. There's a person above them. Right. Okay. So then they forward that to them and they go, hey, so at the top you put prohibition comedy showing the subject. 
prohibition comedy show um, forward to count uh, to to attention talent coordinator. And then in the email, you put your numbers. You say, hey, my name is Victor Pacheco. I've been running this show for the last six to eight months. I've been really successful. These are my numbers based on paid tickets and guest lists. I get 150 people to come out to my show every single week or every single month. And I would love the opportunity to try to get to get into your club and like do do my show there, you know, yeah. and, blah, blah, and like all this stuff. And um, and guess what? They're going to respond and they're going to go because they don't talk funny. They talk money. Yes, dude, you have motivated me in ways you have no idea. I'm going to tell you I hope so. later. Oh, no, not only me, like um, uh, I'm very proud of all my episodes of poppycock podcast and to be honest with you though this thank one you for a, having me about this it. one no uh this one was oh dude thank you for being on it i'm beyond fucking like enlightened and blessed and just like okay listen so if nobody listens to my podcast that would be the biggest fucking sin especially this episode because this episode covered so much about the business aspect of the why the fuck is he sharing this with everybody? You should be telling me this in private. But listen, you know what? Whoever listens to this deserves to fucking hear it. And to be honest with you, all the fucking inspiration and motivation that you just gave right now, you didn't even know that you just gave a TED Talk. But you gave a TED Talk on how to get in to fucking venues, even like if, if you're funny, which is the standard. And you know what? To be honest with you, man, like I have never been more confident in my life with what the fuck I'm about to pitch to this comedy club that's local to me. And to be honest with you, it will get me in there. And to be honest with you- Yes, stop being selfish, guys. Like stop being selfish with information because the more comedians that are doing great, the better it is for our art form. I'll say it then, I'll say it. I'll just say it then. I'm gonna pitch a fuck, I'm gonna pitch a Spanish show. I'm gonna pitch a Spanish show and I'm gonna get some badass. I don't give a fuck if you're white, black, Latino, doesn't matter. If you speak Spanish or you can be funny in Spanish, then you know what I mean? There's going to be great because there's no fucking straight up Spanish shows. There's bilingual, there's Spanglish, pero solamente español, not so much. Not, That's no, what I'm saying. No, no, Find no, no, no. a market. Find no, but dude, market. I had the perfect fucking show that I had, but then the pandemic canceled it, but it was called Azteca Manteca, and it was a show absolutely in spanish like 100 like puro espanol do it again right do it oh no again. It's a i got name i gotta i gotta pitch it but i'm gonna pitch it over here because i think you could do like 60 seats right here at the hollywood improv the, at the lab so i can get lab. that i'm gonna I, tell you right now the lab is brutal dog <laughs> i know brutal. i perform that's there. where comics go to die dog. no no, no, no. Like, i trust uh, i have i have had um Awful sense. I bombed at the lab, dog. Bob, in front of a booker. By the way, in front of the Rita, booker that right? booked San Jose. Dog, yes, yes. Tim, uh, luckily, Tim did good in like one show, and she goes, Who are you guys? And, and then and then she stopped uh, him and went, You guys are fresh drunk stone, are you? And he's like, Yeah, that's us. And he goes, and she goes, Hey, let me get your email and stuff like that. And that's how we got nice. in with like the, with Oxnard oh, and like San Jose. Yeah. yeah. No, it's that's Rita. That's, nice and yeah rita's rita's hell of a sweet person and dude you know it's funny she's so got nice. the most amazing cackle and yeah. she like i i swear to god it, but i she didn't she sits even, in the back with her notepad just yeah she's taking so, yeah. fucking notes out that's not intimidating you know no that's a, no dude but don't man just, just no 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 no, no, like, no i always try to do my best but what's <laughs> fucked up was that like i was like 
emotionally invested in going up on Tuesday and then it didn't happen. So it was just kind of like I felt kind of like, you know, not upset, but just kind of like sad. But then we went to go to go look for venues. And so we found these theaters. But like, you know, I'm going to go try and I'm going to go do what I need to do to get the next level going for for myself. And you know what? Listen, I'm not. And, and, and I tell people this all the time. I tell people this all the time. I'm, I it may it may come off arrogant. It may come off like whatever. But I really genuinely the bottom of my heart. I want all of y'all to win. I want all of us to win. I want arrogant. all of us to do great. That's you know what I mean? Like I want, that's and, awesome. and yeah, that's and like that's why I give back. You know what I mean? Like I give back. Like in position, the position that I'm in now, I give people opportunities. Come with me on the road. You know what I mean? Like it's fine because like I know that maybe this may not happen at, at another level or whatever, or it may for you, or this may inspire you to be like, yo, if this dumbass piece of shit did it, oh, get the I was a drug fuck out of here. No, 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 no. Like the story that you don't know is that I was a drug addict. I was a piece of shit. I was at the time when I started first. Was phone, was was and like keyword. and like now yeah yeah and like now but i will tell you is that like but that that should just uh, to me that should inspire you to be like yo if this drug addict kid did it you know what i'm saying with just a fucking dream and a fucking dollar bitch and a couple of good <laughs> friends you know what i mean right. and like i went out there and fucking did it and like we toured the whole country right we went that everywhere i love it like, i love watching your success that that was cool yeah and then and it's you like, guys were all and it's like, good guys. That was the best part. I was like, you know, when you see somebody who doesn't deserve it, you're just like, yeah, what the fuck am I doing wrong? And then like with you guys, I was just like, fuck, yeah, those guys are cool as fuck. Those guys are my homies. I hope those guys fucking continue having shows, whether they book me or not. They were cool Thank people. You, they need to share the love with other people too. be cool. Like, you know, the, the type of love that like you guys gave to me being like, like just as brand new, like individuals like you guys are like okay we need a host and i was like cool yeah. that worked out for me because if not well, i would have never met you and you're 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 a classy dude you're a class act thank you man. personally i um i you know i gotta I, I gotta say though like franco he did reach out um when i did put something up about losing weight and he was very genuine he did give me a lot of strategies he gave me a lot of resources and so and and then that i could reach out whenever yeah. if, if i need assistance and i was just like listen you're not just my comedy brother. You're, you're my brother now. So like that. You and you fuck, know what's funny? You, you know what's up. funny? And, and, no, and, no, and this is the bond. You know what's so funny? This is the bond that I love about comedy. I met you once. Right. You know what I mean? And we've just kept in touch through like Facebook over the pandemic and all that stuff. <laughs> Check up on you. Everything's good. Like I've seen you move from like San Jose down to LA and stuff like that with yeah, your, with, with them, with them, with them, your wife and stuff like that. And it's like, and you're, and you're doing it. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, it's like, I want it. And, and at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I tell people and I feel like people are scared and it's like, like, like Hey, I'm an open book, man. If you want to know, you know, what we make, uh, how we make money, how it happens, because Bro. knowledge is power, dude. What? Because we sit here, we sit here and we harbor these things and be like, oh, no, I did it in a special way. And it's like, nah, this shit could be replicated, dude. Like, this shit could be for all of us. And like, let's not. Let's you not just made it for all of us, bro. And you are making but it for all of us. And guess what? I'm going to share it. And I'm going to fucking talk about how you gave the truth and an actual business model about how to go about making money and actually, you know, compiling an email list. And you know what? They, it involves work. And guess what? A lot of times it isn't that comics aren't smart. It's just that they're just lazy. We're yeah. lazy. And I'll, a lot and of, I'll or entitled right or entitled. Yeah, I'm going to finish this podcast right now. You know what I'm going to do right now? Just, yeah. just to go show people like what I'm about to go do. 
Yeah. I'm about to go. I have two shows, one in Richmond, Virginia at the Funny Bone, and I have another one at the Virginia Beach Funny Bone. They're an hour and a half from each other. Um, and oh, uh, yeah, I'm flying up there. I'm going to do Richmond first, and I'm doing Virginia Beach on June 22nd and June 23rd. And <clears throat> that's a Wednesday and a Thursday. <clears throat> when you, if you want to get here, and a lot of the times we look at the Joe Rogans, we look at the Burke Crushes, we look at the Tom Segura's, and we go, damn, that's not possible. What I can tell you right now, what I'm doing is very possible. And I gave you the roadmap. Like the roadmap is there. Start a show in your local town, have it be hot, learn how to market at low risk. Because if you go to the club with lying and fake ideas, they're never going to book you again. Okay. You need to show them you can fuck. Okay. And then after you show them that you can fuck one time, right. one time, you right. have to show them again. Because the first time could have been a fluke. You brought all your friends, blah, blah, blah. Do it again. I'm going to tell you this right now. Hollywood comes in second. Show business comes in second. Prove This is the new model. It's not. The old model used to be, you got talent, come to Hollywood, we'll make you a star. That's the old model. The new model is prove you can, prove you have talent, prove you're a star, prove something, do something without me. And then show business will take you to the top of the mountain. But they will not take you to the and if you can and the other path, the path that wasn't there before is if you can get to the people and sidestep show business, that's the other path. Is that if you get enough followers, you get enough influence online, the clubs will book you because you have the numbers. It's a numbers game. Yeah. It's not a talent game. That's why Kevin Hart <laughs> is not in your top five dead or alive. He's he will never be in your top five. But you know what he is? What? The most famous and the most known comedian in the history of comedy. Yeah. Okay? Jesus. He's not the best comedian. He's not the funniest comedian. He's not the most prolific. He's not the genius. Right. <laughs> he is the most well-known comedian ever in the history of comedy. And you go, he doesn't deserve it, while you sit at an open mic and go, he doesn't deserve it. Oh, that's well, not fuck me. Off. Right. He does deserve it. You know he why? He definitely he, does. Because anybody tells you he's the hardest because he realized, he goes, it's not talent. I'm talented. I'm funny. Kevin Hart's been funny since day one. There's a video of him at an open mic in Philly basically doing what he does today. The same style, the same, but a little bit like smaller and stuff like that. You can kind of see it's a little bit rougher. Yeah. But it's the same Kevin Hart. He's always had it. But then yeah. he went out there and was like, I got this. Let me learn how to act. Let me learn how to do this. Let me learn how to run a business. Let me learn how to do this. Let me learn how to do that. And that's where he got where he got, you know? Now yeah. there's the Joe Rogans and Joe Rogan learned how to act. Was an actor before he was Joe Rogan, the podcaster and got a lot of money from news radio. Then he got on Fear Factory, was a host of a show. I met him through Fear Factor. I didn't even know he was a comedian until I started doing comedy. And I was like, oh shit, this fuck does comedy. And look at that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's Small like, world. And like that, yeah, dude. yeah, and that's a form of fame. You know what I mean? So it's like, give yourself the opportunity. Stop looking around at the comics that are getting opportunities. You know what I mean? And look yeah. at what you can do with what the resources that you have and take a lot of risk when nobody's watching right now. You know what I'm saying? If you go to your local club and you do every, let's say you skip everything I just told you and you right. go, I'm just going to lie and email them. You're never going to get booked with them again. Right. And then you're going to have to move to another town and then start all over again and stuff like that. So, so people can believe you. You know what I mean? And it's like, 
And it's like, yes, be funny. Be the funniest in your in your town, in your city. Be try to be the funniest. Be undeniable. Be that. Be that. But then also learn these other little things, and you're fucking unstoppable, dog. You're unstoppable in this shit. And the thing is, you learn it, you you amass an email list, you amass a fan base, you amass people that get to know you, that get to know your show. You you say hi to them every show that they come yeah. to. Hey John, what's going on? Yes. Hey, how's Blah, blah, blah. Then that builds relationships so that when you're at the improv, they go. I knew that motherfucker when he was doing fucking bar shows. Of course I'm going to go support him at the improv. I went to his bar show. He's way better now. And he's bringing all these funny other people. And you have these people in your community that are talented and that are funny and that maybe can't do what you do and know how to produce a show. But they'll do your show and make you look good and give you free stage time and learn how to host a show and learn how to run a show. All these things are valuable to where when I ran my own local show, invaluable to when I go to the clubs. I'll give you an example. I'll give you a small example. I go to the Tempe Improv, right? And they didn't believe that I was going to bring 300, 300 people. It was my first time back, not as fresh drunk stone, but as fresh as fuck. So the manager didn't bring enough waiters, okay? So he wow, lets so. me know that he doesn't have enough staff, okay? So I tell him, I've worked in restaurants. This is where I tell you my experience in my life has helped me. This is just a restaurant. I know that when someone sits down and those lights come on and a waiter hasn't been to them, they're not paying attention to the show. And it's going to be a bad show because the waiter hasn't come up. And by the time you're 10 minutes into your set and you're closing out as the host, you're getting your first couple of laughs and you're going, I suck. And it's like, no, the room wasn't prepared for that. So I walk up to the manager and I go, hey, Chad, at the 10 p.m. probably go, Chad. I was like, hey, listen, I see that you're a little low short staff. You let me know, is there anything I can do on the front end or the back end with time? Okay. And he goes, I was like, let's start at 8.15. And I go, perfect. We'll start at 8.15. That's why I came to talk to you. And he goes to me, thank you so much. A lot of headliners don't allow me to do this shit. He goes, all right, cool. He goes, I, I go, cool. So, and, and then I told him, if you need time on the back end to drop checks and get people checked out, let me know. All right, let me know. I'm about to go on stage three minutes before I'm about to go on stage. He burst into the green room and he goes, can you do like 15 more minutes? I got you. I told you. I got you. Do an extra 15 minutes. I ended up doing like 55 minutes or some shit like that. An extra 10, 15 minutes. Got off stage. You know I did like 57 minutes or something like that. Got off stage. Everyone got checked out. Everyone was super happy. Without my experience of running my own shows and knowing that, I wouldn't have been able to accommodate him and him at the end of the night when he hands me my check and goes, yeah. thank you so much for being understanding and like working with me and blah, blah, blah. And I go, I'll go bust a table if you need me to. I'm the headliner in between shows when I was in Texas at Hyenas that was busting tables with the servers because there were people waiting outside for the second show and they were low staffed or whatever, not low staffed, but they were just like, they just need to help. Guess what? I wipe down tables and I bust tables. You know why? Because I'm not pretentious. I'm not, I'm not above this. I am a hop, skip, and a jump from going back to doing that shit. Okay. Right. And I'm very well, aware of that. I mean, I, I mean, that's just you being very humble. I mean, you are a very hilarious comedian, and I gotta give credit credits too, because like not only that, you're a very successful producer. And and like, you know, just that winning hand, really, like I mentioned this earlier, like in jest but you really should be a prick. 
and like <laughs> like a real like a fucking prick. Like the I'm trying like, to be good. This is my information. You know, no, no, you know, you're not even trying. You're being genuinely great, and I do appreciate you, and I appreciate your time. And like, you know, with the Mexican goodbyes, like I'm gonna keep you here for three hours, and I want to be respectful of your time. And so I want to ask you this last question. I had a great um, time. I'm not gonna oh, lie. I, I, I I've been time. having a great time too. And what's fucked up is that, like, you know, anyone that doesn't like listen to this, they're they're really losing out because, like, really, you just offered a, a blueprint to make money as there could be people listening who aren't even stand-up comedians that take this idea, run with it and become successful producers. And then they have all these depressed comedians kissing their ass, but no, Listen, no, no. My, I, I have two friends of mine. And I'll tell you this. I have two friends of mine who couldn't do the improv. Couldn't get up. Couldn't get it. We have three clubs here in South Florida. We have the Miami beach. In, we, we, we have the Miami improv, the Daniel beach improv in the West three, eight clubs, three. And he couldn't get booked. And you know what he did? He started his own shows and realized he's the one that realized that they pay bands like $800 for four hours and they make no money off of them. Okay. And he goes, but I'm bringing people for two hours and you're not going to give me $500, $600. Stop getting fucked by these guys. Okay. It's zero. It's zero cost to them. Entertainment costs in a venue is zero cost to them at the end of the year, as long as it's on a check from their business. And they know that. And when you tell them that, they're going to go talk to their accountant and they're going to go, actually, they're right. We could, you could spend 20 grand on, and you'll get 20 grand back. Like they, they, they took right off, like, because it's entertainment for your business. It's like, it's like having music running for your stereo. If you have a stereo in your business that you paid for, you write that bitch off. You know what I'm saying? Because I needed to play music while it's in my restaurant. So it's like, guys, guys, stop selling yourself short, pay your comedian, pay yes. the comics that are on your show. Even if it's $20, I had a comic the other day give me $20 and a little scratch-off ticket in an envelope. I was the happiest comedian <laughs> ever, okay? Like, like I drove an hour plus to go to this show. I was so angry. And then he gave me this 20 bucks after my spot with a little envelope with my name on it. And, the, and, a, little, and a little note, and a little note that said, hey, thanks for coming out to the show. I appreciate you driving here. And guess what? I will do that kid's show whenever i don't care how much he asked me to drive i don't care if i lose money every show okay but no. i'll do that kid's show because of that little nice gesture you know what i mean yeah but i mean but, it's just what's your question oh your, no your question. oh no my last my last question was where can the people at home find you oh, on instagram it's franco harris um uh on instagram facebook um it's franco harris it's franco harris um i thought i was cute and when I created my Instagram and I'm like, when people ask me, what's your Instagram? I'll be like, it's Franco Harris. And they just go, what? <laughs> Everybody goes, what? And I go, ITS, it's Franco Harris. Oh, like, that's, that's hilarious. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. That, that's so fucking funny. Yo, that's a, that's a mind fuck right there. Like if I was on LSD, there's no way in fuck we'd get through this conversation. No, uh, no, no, I mean, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, just that part of the conversation of the, the it's Franco Harris. But um, Franco yeah, Harris. yeah. So check out it's Franco Harris on all social media. And yeah, YouTube on, uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, seriously, follow him. Go to his shows. Um, he's he's a fucking excellent entertainer. He's a hands down like really great guy, and honestly, excellent businessman. You can't you can't say that about every comic, regardless of how talented <laughs> they are, because there's some super talented fucking comedians that are horrible business men, horrible business women. They're horrible. They're just it's just they don't have the business sense. But you know what? You got it, sir. And also, too, 
Um, like really, man, like we, you got the whole package going on and, uh, that's why I wanted you on the show. And I didn't know, I had no idea that we were going to be blessed with this much information as to how to make money on the show. I just wanted you on the show to talk shop and you didn't just talk shop, my brother, you talked church. And so that was beyond expectations. So I want to thank you so much for joining me. Uh, here at Poppycock Podcast for episode 12. We want everyone to please follow us on Spotify, uh, iTunes, everywhere. Fresh as fuck to comedy tour. Go, go to Fresh as fuck comedy tour, wherever this is. I don't care where you live. If you live in the United States, they will be in a city near you. I will go, be there. <laughs> go check them out. Go check out Franco Harris. He, he's, he's very funny. And, and, and if you're deaf, he's a sexy motherfucker. So either way, you will be happy. So I, I love this guy a lot. Um, he's, he's very he's very awesome. You're going to love him, too, even more than you did on today's episode. Uh, he's a great guy. He's down to earth. And uh, thank you again so much for doing the show. And um, thank you. And we, we'll have you back soon if you want to come back. But uh, I, know you're, I know you're busy. So no hard feelings. But like, yeah, brother, I love you, man. Thank you so much for Love joining you too, us brother. today. All right, brother. Yeah. Check us out. No problem. All right, man. Late.